Today um, we're, we're picking up the thread, and uh, we've been talking about uh, Lord Chaitanya in in Puri and in Orissa, and uh, I wanted to cover some uh, some some more general information about uh, Orissa, and. Uh, Let's remember yesterday how uh, how Maharaj Prataparuda was the ruler in Orissa from 1509 to 1540, which is which covered the entire period that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, started coming to Jagannath Puri, and of course the king became a great devotee of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't want to meet with the king because after all a king is a person who's involved with worldly pleasure worldly enjoyment and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu felt that as a sannyasi it wasn't appropriate for him to meet with such a person now we see more often that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the one hand is adhering to the external rules of etiquette uh, according to sannyas and some of that etiquette was also as the sannyas that was or the standards of sannyas that were prevalent in the culture of today uh, of the day uh, not today of the day uh, a culture which was very much predominated by Smarta Brahmanism, a culture where uh, three Dandi sannyas had sort of disappeared so far in the background, and that Sankaracharya's Ekadanda sannyas had come to the fore. And uh, so there were standards where a sannyasi was not supposed to have any any contact with previous family members or a sannyasi was not supposed to have contact with uh, with worldly people like kings uh, of course uh, sannyasis uh, in the line of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu the three dandi sannyasis they are simply dedicated to the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. A mantra that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanted after sannyas, and which basically means that the lotus feet of the Lord, uh, one who has firm 
who is firmly fixed in service at the lotus feet of the Lord, will find the, the boat to pass the ocean of material existence. So in this way, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, was internally um, a Tridandi. Internally, he was a devotee of Krishna. Uh, but externally, he was following standards of sannyasas in his time. The Tridandis, they are, in principle, whatever is favorable for the Lord. There's no strict prohibition about uh, seeing one's family member. There's only one, one prohibition, and that is to meet with one's former wife. That is, is not possible. But to meet with the mother, that from a, uh, from a Chaitanya Vaishnav point of view, Sri Dhamni point of view, is not prohibitive. Hmm? That's acceptable. So, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, was meeting with the king, uh, a person who is involved with material opulence and so on. That was not desirable for him, so he didn't want to meet the king. Uh, we see that uh, later, Acharyas like uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur started to meet with, uh, with, with kings or other uh, with prominent, prominent officers of the British government and uh, all sinful people and that he was willing to, uh, to associate with them for the sake of pushing on the mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we see a whole different approach there. You, for the sake of, of spreading Krishna consciousness, yes, one could certainly meet with government people. And, uh, and of course, Prabhupada did the same. Um, but we can also see that they did not in any way compromise their integrity. Um, Anyway, so there is preaching according to Kaladesh and Patra, uh, time, place, and circumstances. And it should be known that a sannyasi, uh, a sannyasi doesn't have any possessions. And, and all that he has, really, is his reputation. Um, that also comes out in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And all he has is his reputation. Uh, because when there's any, when there's a blemish on the reputation of, of a saintly person, then people lose faith. And, and that is the only, the only strength he has, is his purity, his dedication to Krishna, and that he can generate faith. And everything... Uh, is happening on the strength of that faith. So Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not want to meet uh, the king, Maharaj Prataparuda, but we see internally, because Maharaj Prataparuda was actually a devotee, and he showed that, he showed it when Ramananda Roy wanted to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, although 
Ramananda Roy was the governor, he gave him a full pension uh, with full salary and, uh, and was very happy that he was going to dedicate his life to the service of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He himself greatly desired so, and Sarvabhom Bhattacharya was somehow or other trying to arrange it, and in the end there was a meeting with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu where Maharaj Prataparuda was incognito. We also remember that at one point, although Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was not willing to meet, uh, to meet Maharaj Prataparuda, but Maharaj Prataparuda had already, uh, he had already uh, supported Ramananda Rai. Then um, it was arranged that the son of the king would, would meet with uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw that boy, the boy had a dark complexion and long arms and lotus eyes, and he reminded Chaitanya Mahaprabhu of Krishna. And therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spontaneously embraced him. When the boy, the prince, became embraced, he just became transformed in ecstatic love of God. And he turned around, he went back to uh, Ramananda Rai. And when Ramananda Rai saw that his son had transformed, he became so happy that he embraced his son. And all the love that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had deposited in that son just reached Ramananda, Ramananda Rai, uh, sorry, reached uh, Maharaj Prataparuda, who was embracing his son like a tidal wave. And, uh, and Maharaj Prataparuda also felt overwhelmed overwhelmed with love of God. So in this way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave it to him via messenger. And then later there was that incognito meeting. Now, we heard that, that uh, Somaraj Prataparuda was a Gaudiya Vaishnava and was following the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Uh, we also heard that Maharaj Prataparuda recognized the four bona fide sampradayas that were listed in the Padma Purana and that he engaged the representatives of these four sampradayas in uh, in uh, in Nam Sankirtan for the deities in in the Jagannath temple and he each gave them he rostered them in 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 the kirtan so that was also very interesting i thought uh, especially because uh, I mentioned yesterday that the, the kirtan, Nam Sarkirtan, is especially activities of the Godias. So in this way, the Godias were also um, engaging the other Sampradayas in, in this glorification in Harinam Sarkirtan, and that that would be a powerful unifying factor amongst uh, the, uh, the Sampradayas. And uh, something um, that should be on our agenda uh, as, as, as the ISKCON society representing the Gaudiya Sampradaya, we should um, take up the activity to invite members of the other Sampradayas for Nam Sankirtan events. And that on this platform, uh, on this platform, we could uh, 
create unity amongst the four sampradayas, which is is important and was uh, was on the agenda of Siddha Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Um, yes, then uh, we also saw the influence of Islam in in India, and we saw that there were uh, throughout India different uh, different Islamic groups. There are the Mughals and the Af Afghans, and there was a lot of competition uh, between these various Muslim groups or these Islamic groups in trying to capture India. And they had, uh, and there was great rivalry uh, amongst themselves. So uh, we're seeing, we're seeing that, we're seeing uh, Mughals and Afghans are are engaged in, uh, in in various wars and fights and so on, and uh, and we're seeing that then the um, we're seeing that uh, the Nawab Hussein Shah, uh, who claimed some uh, some connection with uh, with uh, Iraq. And, and, and with the, the with the mogul with the core of Islam, uh, and not like the outlying regions that were conquered later. Obviously, um, the core of Islam in in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and and countries immediately around it, like Iraq, was like considered the uh, the more aristocratic feature of the more cultural feature of Islam. And if you go to uh, more outlying areas like uh, Afghanistan, which was conquered. Um, I mean, we, re we remember Afghanistan was part of, uh, of, uh, of, of Bharat uh, in, the, in the Mahabharat. Gandhari is, is from Kandahar, which is a, a place in, uh, in Afghanistan, and uh, so Afghanistan was part of the uh, of the Vedic culture, and we also find in the Zoroastrian uh, scriptures how Vedic culture uh, was prevalent in uh, in uh, in Persia, and uh, so we see that. Uh, Islam was spreading in a circle around these central core countries, and Turkey became uh, towards uh, towards the western side. Uh, Turkey was a um, important country, uh, powerful Xatrias, and there were many Turkish soldiers who became mercenaries. Right? So we see that um, in India, you see uh, families who come from uh, the more central uh, background from Islam, 
and then higher mercenaries. Uh, and then we had warlords in Afghanistan who were basically sitting on the border of India because India, of course, uh, was at least still united with Pakistan, which was India. So uh, basically, um, the Afghans were, were naturally inclined to go over the border. Anyway, that's like a little bit of the uh, Islamic competition. And then the, uh, the Muslim government gov governments were employing uh, Hindu ministers. Oh. Not only were Rupa and Sanatan engaged in, in, uh, in, in the government, but so many Hindus were engaged in the government. And one reason was, was that uh, it had happened too often in history that Muslim uh, ministers and so on had killed their masters and taken over the throne. So therefore, it was safer to work with Hindu ministers. And it had another advantage that it created a bridge to the local uh, local Hindu community uh, between the Islamic government and the uh, yeah the predominant Hindu population. Anyway, uh, we see that Maharaj Prataparuda held his ground. That Maharaj Paruda was a uh, a Vaishnava in the Gaudiya line. Um, we also discussed yesterday that at the same time there were other influences present in in Orissa and in Puri and in India at large. Uh, although Islamic influence was there uh, throughout many regions of India and there was an Islamic agenda to conquer more and more from India and uh, that uh, and that that was going on uh, we also see that uh, smarter brahmanism had uh, at that time a very for for uh, many many centuries a very strong grip on india and and it continued after that basically smarter brahmanism uh, played a predominant part in India for a thousand years, for the last thousand years. And, uh, you know, smarter Brahmanism, uh, following the Manusmriti, more engaged with rituals, external for getting material benefits, Karma Kanda, and uh, with a leaning towards uh, uh, Advaita Vedanta. Uh, a leaning towards impersonalism, uh, highlighting the uh, Panchupasana worship, the five types of worship from, uh, uh, from Shakta, from worshipping the energy to Surya, worshipping the sun to Ganapatya, worshipping a deity that controls the uh, material circumstances to uh, to Shaivites who are 
looking more at the origin of the material existence and the dissolution of material existence and the eternity behind the material existence, Brahman, and therefore uh, giving a lot of uh, scope for impersonalists to root themselves there. And then the, uh, the Vaishnavas. But then, then, they said, but then behind all that is Om, the impersonal Brahman. That is the smarter view. So anyway, um, all this is there. Um, we see how the movement of Lord Chaitanya is coming up and how it is uh, coming up basically in well, how, how the movement has its three major hubs. Right? Uh, first of all, Navadvip, uh, where Sridhar uh Navadvip Mandal, where everything began, the nine islands, and, and then uh, Vrindavan and Puri. Now, we see that both in, uh, in Puri, no, sorry, both in uh, Navadvip and in Vrindavan, there was a very active preaching mission. There we also see, there we see Lord Chaitanya preaching through his representatives, through his disciples, and we see that he was uh, driving that preaching mission. Uh, Nichananda uh, was going all over Bengal, his son uh, and, and, and widow, Janavamata Chandra, they continued. And meanwhile, we see the Goswamis in uh, the six Goswamis in Vrindavan and establishing Ananashastra, Vicharanaika, Nipanusa, Dharma, Samstapaku, establishing principles of religion in this way in Vrindavan. So these two places, uh, there's a lot of preaching going on. In Puri, we don't see that in the same way. Uh, in Puri, we, we see that, uh, that it's more a place where Lord Chaitanya stayed for a long time. And uh, it's more where Lord Chaitanya, by his presence, influenced society. Um, it is not that Lord Chaitanya extensively was acting like an Acharya, or it's also not that uh, Lord Chaitanya really ordered his followers to, um, to thoroughly establish uh, Vaishnavism. For example, here's Sarvabhom Bhattacharya, and he is like an incredibly learned scholar, and he's got there for that title, Sarvabhoma, uh, the entire world. Yes, and he, he who can, is the teacher of the entire world. Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. I mean, he's so learned. And then after, after it is all over, uh, after uh, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya has been uh, converted to being a devotee, a Vaishnava, then there's not a lot coming out from, uh, from Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. We do see that he plays a role in the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, but we don't see that there are a lot of books written by 
Sarvabhama Bhattacharya, uh, establishing Vaishnav doctrine, which is a little bit, uh, well, surprising. I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd practically expect that such a scholar would have produced some, uh, some books, but um, no. Uh, we see something, you know, we see the Jagannath Vallabha uh, Natak from uh, from uh, uh, Ramananda Rai, uh, but not much. Of course, Ramananda Rai was very much on the confidential side of Krishna consciousness and was uh, speaking confidentially about intimate subject matters which he uh, may not have wanted to share. Yeah? So whatever the reasons are, uh, we see that whereas Vrindavan represents a systematic teachings of the philosophy, we see that Puri represents more the uh, just the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as as Bhakta Rupa, as the as now in the form as a devotee, uh, taking devotion beyond uh, practicing by rules and regulations to a level of of just completely uh, spontaneous expression of devotional service, and that that spontaneous expression is just like a powerful powerful tidal waves of, of love of God. Uh, and especially that is there in Puri. Of course, there are also, I mentioned it before, there are interactions with, uh, with, uh, with many of the principal uh, disciples, um, Haridas Thakur. And uh, it is really, um, the most substantial uh, appearance in in the Chaitanya in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of Haridas Thakur is in uh, in Jagannath Puri, and there we go deeply into uh, into the realizations of uh, of Haridas, uh, and there's that one conversation where uh, Lord Chaitanya is in anxiety. He is in anxiety because he sees that there are conditioned souls who are, are somehow or other missing out. They're missing out. And he's saying, what will be, what is the, the, the destiny of all the inert living beings? in the form of trees, in the form of uh, existences that cannot chant, in the form of animals or whatever. And then, of course, then Haridas says, my dear Lord, please don't be in anxiety. Something, I really like it because here's the devotee telling to the Lord, please don't be in anxiety. And usually it's the devotees who are in anxiety and say, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, please save me, please save me, please take away these, these problems because you are the Lord, you are above 
all this anxiety. You are the embodiment of Vaikuntha, and Vaikuntha means without anxiety. Uh, but now Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is showing anxiety. And, and Haridas, as, a, as the devotee, is trying to relieve his anxiety and says that actually uh, the echo, the echo of the holy name that echoes of the trees is the chanting of those trees. And in those ways, uh, those living beings are also being, uh, being delivered. Uh, and we see, of course, in the, uh, in the songs of the Acharyas, Pasupaki Juri, Basana Bidare, we are seeing the scripting that Pasupaki Juri, that uh, it is the, the animals, the birds, they also, the, the stones, uh, they also, the stones are melting. In this way, all, all are being delivered by uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, uh, Sankirtan movement. Um, no one is exempt. The holy name is reaching out and Haridas is saying yes. Uh, and it says the whole universe, uh, the whole universe is, is being delivered. Uh, and then uh, that universe will fill up again with the uh, with the sukshma jivas, those are living beings who have become completely inert, completely inactive. And when all the active living beings are actually becoming swept up in Harinam Sankirtan and will go back to Godhead, then all these sukshma jivas, all these inert jivas, will become activated and they will fill up the universe and they can also uh, then uh, take up Harinam Sankirt. Anyway, so Haridas has this very uh, deep, these very deep realizations and he is the one who says, oh my Lord, uh, please don't be in anxiety. Something which is very beautiful and very much uh, reflecting the mood of the Gaudiya Vaishnava who doesn't want anything for himself, but who is simply looking at the pleasure of the Lord. In the same way, when the gopis took the chariot of Krishna from Vrindavan, uh, when, 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 sorry, when Akrura took Krishna and Balaram on a chariot from Vrindavan to Mathura, then the gopis grabbed the reins and held back the chariot. Now, the question can be raised, why why did the gopis do that? Because Krishna Balaram wanted to go. So why didn't the gopis just uh, fulfill the desire of Krishna and Balaram? Why didn't they just dance in front of the chariot or follow the chariot in ecstasy and, you know, and throw flowers? Because the gopis knew that Krishna cannot be happy outside of Vrindavan. He's gone mad. He's now acting against his own self-interest. We have to interfere. So therefore, when the gopis held back the chariot, there was no self-interest from, from their side. There was no personal desire that they wanted to keep Krishna 
for themselves, they were thinking about Krishna's happiness. He's gone mad. He will never be able to be happy outside of, uh, of Vrindavan. We have to stop him. Somehow, only here in Vrindavan can Krishna flourish. And everywhere else, he will, he will, he will suffer. Mm. So that selfless mood of, of service was, was visible in Haridas and it's visible as it was visible in the gopis. Uh, so that is, is, is there. So there are these, uh, in the, in the Adi Lila, in the Antya Lila, the final pastimes in Puri, uh, we see, uh, we see how Haridas is a prominent personality. Uh, you know, then Advaita Acharya comes uh, and, and, and the other devotees from Bengal for Ratyatra, uh, Sarvabhoma, Ramananda Roy, Gadadhar, uh, all uh, very prominent personalities in the, in the pastimes of Mahaprabhu. And, and the focus is especially on the uh, internal, um, on the internal relationship and the internal experience of Mahaprabhu, and, but which is on public display. And even if it is on public display to a few, still these few have brought it to us. In this way, we get everything. We get Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, his, uh, in his early life, uh, in the environment he lives in, of uh, in Navadvip with all these scholars and all these shaktas and you know that all that brahmanism smarter brahmanism and and the shaktas who are worshiping with meat and alcohol as we discussed yesterday and uh, and then all this uh, nyaya all this logic wrangling and so on and then we see how nima is in that environment and we see how Navadvip is a uh, incredible place of learning, but how gradually it's being transformed in a place of devotion, and and how Nimai Pandit, Vishwambar, Chaitanya is the uh, is is bringing about this change and this revolution in in a seed form uh, in its early stages. And how Nichananda is then later, after after Lord Chaitanya went to Puri, sent back by Lord Chaitanya, and just vigorously preaches all over Bengal and just in a wave of ecstasy transforms Bengal. Um, seeing Lord Chaitanya in South India also, uh, also washing across like a wave of ecstasy and touching many people. You see how he debates with many people about philosophy, but we also see that there's nothing, no institution behind him. There is no, uh, there's no, uh, no sampradaya. There's no, no initiations. There is no, there are no, no temples uh, with deities, and uh, in this way. Uh, there are no books, right? no particular book that represents the teachings. So in this way, 
uh, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu goes to South India, um, he gets uh, a lot of reactions, but it doesn't leave anything um, established. Right? It's like, uh, okay, we hear that Tukaram had a connection with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and we see that Tukaram is just uh, in two ways, you know, like uh, uh, in the same mood as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, in that he's chanting Hare Krishna, and in that he is he's himself from a low, from a low background, uh, from a sudra background, but he is is glorifying the Supreme Lord. And how anyone, uh, totally disregarding caste, creed, and so on, anyone can take up devotional service, and anyone becomes elevated by that devotional service. And Tukaram is that personality who's totally elevated by uh, his uh, his devotional service. So those are some, some things. Um, in Orissa, we also have Ramuna. And of course, uh, that brings us back to uh, Madhavendapuri. We remember that Madhavendapuri at Govardhan had found the deity of Gopal and how, with the help of the, who was hidden in the, in the bushes because of fear of that Muslims would destroy the deity, then with the help of the villagers, the deity was excavated and the deity was just erected on Govardhan. And we see how Madhavendapuri then uh, got dreams where the deity instructed him that deity wanted sandalwood. That sandalwood was, uh, well, came especially from, uh, from the east, right? Which is also part of the uh, of the Vedic kingdom, and and uh, so and that area was the Malaya Hills. So traditionally, the Malaya Hills were also part of the Vedic culture, uh, just as also uh, Bali and uh, and and Java and all these islands were also part of the of Bharat. And uh, and of course we're seeing uh, in Cambodia we see the Angkor Wat temple. So the Vedic culture of Bharat was widely spread, and still each kingdom might have carried its own flavor. Just like even today we see, like the state of Gujarat is very different from uh, from Bengal. And we see that uh, on the eastern side, we see Manipur, and we see that it has its own particular flavor of Vaishnavism and its own way of drumming, its own way of dancing, its own way of cultural uh, uh, performances related to Krishna, and a whole Krishna culture in, in Manipur. Um, and we know that Arjuna had a connection there with Ulupi, who was his wife, and Babuvan was the son, and so on. So all these things we know. So we can see how that Vedic culture was spread everywhere. We can see how the Muslim influence is sort of there. Um, we can see 
how Brahmanism, smarter Brahmanism, is weakening the strength of Vedic culture. Um, and we see all these kingdoms, but all as part of, uh, of the Vedic culture. So in this way, Bharat um, is, is, is like uh, united under emperors, uh, the emperor of Delhi, uh, we see in, in Yudhisthira, Hastinapur, the emperor, and then all these kings and all the kingdoms. And so, um, so India today is still to be looked upon more as a continent than as a country, right? As a, a continent where many kingdoms together are somehow or other united, and that previously that continent was uh, far, far more extensive. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Ramuna, back to Ramuna, we had the deity of Gopal being worshipped in uh, in Vrindavan by Madhavendapuri and by the Brahmanas that were uh, appointed by Madhavendapuri. In this way, the deity was a Gaudiya deity. Um, later, the Nimbarka Sampradaya took that deity, took advantage when the deity was moved away from Vrindavan to protect it from the uh, Muslim influence. Then that deity was taken by the, uh, the Nimbarkas who kept the deities in Natadwar and and uh, and of course never gave it back. So there is that uh, still ongoing uh, tension where the Gaudias want the deity back. Um, but anyhow, leaving that for what it is now, we see how uh, how Madhavendapuri was on the way to. Jagannath Puri, because Jagannath Puri was a port. So it was natural that ships would come from the Malaya hills and bring large quantities of sandalwood. So therefore, Jagannath Puri was a big market for sandalwood. So since uh, sandalwood was rare in Vrindavan, uh, Madhavendra Puri had to go and bring it himself. So he went... But yeah, that was a long distance and a long journey. He walked and uh, and then it had to be carried and then it had to be carried across borders. So, and it was not so easy, right? In a, uh, in an India, which was not uh, all, uh, yeah, not, not all even under, uh, under Vedic culture, there, there was like Muslim rulers and Muslim states on the way. And uh, so it was uh, quite, um, it, was, it was complicated. Then there were taxes, there were, uh, you know, not only did the uh, Muslims, potentially not only Muslims would uh, harass him, but uh, certainly Hindu kings may also want money and so on. So it was very uh, troublesome. So anyway, the deity made an arrangement, as we remember. Um, there was, on the way to Puri, 
Madhavendra Puri came through Rimuna, went to Puri and came back with the sandalwood and came again through Rimuna on the way to Bengal. And then from Bengal, he was planning to go up into uh, Bihar and from Bihar into UP and make it to Vrindavan. So Madhavinda Puri, um, the first time, on while he was still on the way to Puri, stopped in Ramuna, and then that is that pastime of the of the kir, which is that special kir where they called Amrita Keli, where it is just boiled and boiled and boiled down, and they um, they just boil down the milk. And then they add some more milk and they boil that also, they boil that down also. And they keep on boiling it. Usually sweet rice is, if you make it properly, you have to stir it. Uh, it is a, com sweet rice would be one, two, 16, one rice, two sugar and 16 milk. And you keep on stirring it until the rice has become sufficiently soft and starts to mix with the milk and it becomes one substance. The worst sweet rice is where the milk and the rice have not yet really mixed and where the uh, rice sinks to the bottom. Right? That's like failed sweet rice. Sweet rice, um, as I say, it must mix uh, the rice and the milk. And then it must cool down and very tasty. But in uh, there in Ramuna, they just kept on boiling it down further and add more milk. So it would become and boil that down also, evaporate all the water. So it would become very, very creamy and then keep on boiling it so long that the eventually the rice would just disappear. It would just completely turn into a paste. And that is this kir from Ramuna. It is like a paste and yet it is rice and milk and sugar. Uh, but it is a paste. And of course, in those days, sugar in uh, in, uh, in, in traditional sugar was not refined sugar from the factory. Obviously, what was used was uh, for certain certain preparations gore but that would add a very strong flavor of its own. And, but another way was to sweeten the uh, sweet rice with sugar candy um, and crystal, crystallized sugar, actually. And sugar candy, known as misri, uh, white uh, is the pure. There's brown also, but that still has elements of gore of the previous form. But White is the pure crystal. And it says that that sweetens the sweet rice and makes it uh, makes it cooling rather than heating. If you eat sweet rice with sugar, that's heating the blood. But this misery is actually cooling the blood. Uh, so they say in India. Anyway, this, the Amrita Keli then everything was the rice and the milk and the misery 
had merged into a paste. So this is a unique, is a unique type of sweet rice. Uh, and it is still being, uh, being offered. Uh, it is still being offered today. And uh, therefore, I had planned to take a whole group of devotees to Ramuna this year and, and go there in Kartik, but uh, because it's a wonderful place and, uh, and, the, and the Vaishnavas there are so open and so happy to receive um, all the international devotees of Lord Chaitanya Sankirtan movement is like most wonderful. And that's why I really wanted to go there. And there is the, uh, um, there is a Samadhi of Rasikananda, uh, who, uh, who was a disciple of Shamananda, Shamananda contemporary of, uh, of Narutam and Srinivas. And then next comes Rasikananda. Uh, all powerful. So Shamananda and Rasikananda did very powerful preaching in Orissa. Then uh, nearby to Ramuna, uh, somewhere is the birthplace of Baladev Vichabusa. Exactly where that birthplace is, that is a little bit uh, ambiguous. Uh, um, a book done by Balap Tirta uh, Maharaj from the Gaudiya Mat, a disciple of Madhava, Madhava Maharaj, um, who was a disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta, so grand disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. Um, it, is a, it is a large sized book, and uh, it has been published by Mandala Publishing, and it is a really, uh, it is a nice book because he's careful. He is, he has provided information from many sources, um, from the various biographies. And then he's also uh, included information from the Gaudiya Vaishnava Abhidhan from Haridas, which was published in 1959, a, an encyclopedia of, uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, um, which was based on the Vaishnava Manjusa. The Vaishnava Manjusa was an encyclopedia on Gaudiya Vaishnavism, started by uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, but he never finished that. So Haridas took that Vaishnava Manjusa, but then went to work with it and then edit many things um, that not that not that were not always. Uh, acceptable. So Bhaktivalap Tirta Maharaj, because he is well connected, uh, being in the Gaudiya Mat to uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta and the teachings of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, um, whenever he he takes things sometimes from the Gaudiya Vaishnava Abhidhan, but other times when Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was in disagreement, he would also uh, he also makes that point. So it is, it is pretty nice. Anyway, uh, so Balap Tirta Maharaj makes the point that uh, we cannot really, uh, uh, yeah, we cannot really, 
uh, say with certainty where the uh, mm, where Srila Baladev Vichabhusan's actual birthplace is, but it's in that area. So we're very much remembering Srila Baladev Vijabhusan. So I, I have here the uh, the biography from uh, or, the, or the, the notes from uh, Balabtirta Maharaj and there are some other notes I downloaded from the internet from um, Iskun Desire Tree where there's a lot of research and the only problem that I find there sometimes is um, I would like to see some more uh, some more references there right uh, I'd like them to uh, quote their sources more that would help but it is said that somewhere in a village near Ramuda uh, Baladevi Jabusan appeared in the 18th century uh, from 1720 to 1790 he was uh, the son of uh, of a Vaisha, but somehow or other in his youth, he got a very thorough education in Sanskrit, rhetoric, logic, and Vaisnav scripture. Um, so apparently he had that Brahminical inclination from an early age, and uh, that was recognized, and he was uh, trained in this way. It said he accepted sannyas in Madhva Sampradaya at a young age, and he stayed at Jagannath Puri and became a scholar and he would uh, and and he traveled around India also to various holy places. Uh, he also came in, in Puri and met with one disciple of the famous Rasikananda Prabhu of the name Sri Radhadamadar Dev Goswami. Radhadamadar Dev Goswami explained to him the uh, uh, he was obviously he was a Godia uh, Rasikananda was a Godia so he came in the line from the Goswamis and therefore uh, he taught uh, uh, Radha Dev Goswami taught the Satsandarbas from Jiva Goswami and when Baladev heard these explanations, he became convinced, although he was a sannyasi in the Madhva Sampradaya, he became convinced that the Gaudiya conclusions were superior. And it says he took uh, initiation from Radhadamadar Dev Goswami. So in this way, uh, he was in both Sampradayas. Uh -huh. And uh, it says then, uh, yeah, uh, then of course he he wrote so many books, he, he ended so many debates, and later we get that whole situation uh, in in Jaipur, uh, which we have discussed in an earlier lecture, where Baladev is sent by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur to Jaipur to debate with the Ramanandi, who had a Ramanuja connection, Brahmanas, who claimed uh, that uh, that the worship of Radha and Krishna was not acceptable. Uh, they were uh, they were smarter Brahmanas, 
uh, but claimed a Ramanandi connection, but there was a very strong predominant Smarta Brahmana atmosphere. And uh, so in that clash, uh, Baladev wrote to Govinda Bhasya. And I've, I've discussed it already, in a, uh, but just for the sake of completeness. Uh, so we have the other day discussed also how Baladev is the link, the historical uh, well, the historical link between the Madhva Sampradaya and the Gaudiyas comes via Madhva and the Puri. Obviously, Madhva and the Puri comes out of that Sampradaya and then is, uh, and then Iswara Puri and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So in this way, we can say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has a historical connection with the Madhva Sampradaya through Madhavendapuri, and then Baladev is more in his Pramaya Ratnavali establishing the philosophical link. So we see this link coming in from two sides, uh, historical and philosophical. Um, all right, uh, later on we can uh, discuss some more on this. Um, yeah, so uh, so we are looking at uh, at Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, movement and how it spread and how Puri in itself is not like uh, a major hub where where a lot of philosophy is coming from. Uh, the philosophy is really coming from Vrindavan, from the Goswamis. The, uh, the all-overpowering ecstasy of Harinam Sankirtan is, is very much coming from Bengal. And it's the Bengali devotees who bring that into Orissa. And in Orissa, you see, like, you know, when the Prem Sankirtan is going on, Marilila chapter 11, Beta Beta Sankirtan pastimes, you will see the ecstasy of the devotees who are, are performing this amazing kirtan, and everyone is just, like, uh, amazed, and people come running from everywhere to see it. So the potency of that kirtan coming out of Bengal is coming into Orissa and joining up with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then... That joins up with whatever Vaishnav culture is there in Orissa. And we have uh, discussed a little bit yesterday how there was uh, obviously uh, Jagannath, right? Obviously Jagannath Baladev Subhadra, obviously Jagannath is Krishna. Uh, but, you know, we also saw that in the past, in the 5th century, there had been Buddhist influence and so on. And not everyone had a clear understanding who, who Jagannath was. I mean, at one point, they even looked at him like Buddha Jagannath and that Jagannath was representing Buddha and Baladev was representing Dharma and, and Subhadra representing Sangha. You know, so, I mean... We can see the Buddhists were giving a whole twist to the to the to the worship, and uh, Brahmanism was also not so uh, 
aligned with the full understanding of, of Rati Yatra in the sense that they were not in, in uh, smarter Brahmanism uh, spread across India, was not in favor of Radha and Krishna worship because that was against Dharma. And it's all about Dharma. Smarter Brahmanism is all about Dharma Shastra. So here's, here's this illicit relationship, this parakya, this forbidden relationship, paramour relationship of Krishna, who is somehow or other, uh, yeah, uh, the, what to do with that, with Krishna. So Krishna's pastimes were complicated. The village people, yes, yes, they were, uh, they liked uh, Radha and Krishna. And uh, so there was something there, but it was more pushed back to the realm of folklore. And in this way, uh, yes, it wasn't like in the in uh, Radha and Krishna worship, uh, wasn't in the forefront. And it was also not fully understood uh, necessarily what the full depth was of, of Ratiyatra. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in the mood of Radharani uh, and, and pulling back uh, Krishna, the chariot, back to Vrindavan, uh, enacting the pastime of where the gopis were in Kurukshetra and took the reins of the chariot of Krishna to pull Krishna back, uh, that was not necessarily as much understood as it is in the Gaudiya Siddhanta. And it is also our mission to highlight that understanding. And then we see this whole uh, Apasampradaya, the Atibaris, and we're seeing how they are uh, in, in Orissa and have a big influence in Orissa. And I didn't finish the whole story uh, yesterday, and I thought I should finish it today so that it's complete. Um, but there's a story about Jagannathas Atibari, I said he was the one who wanted to read his Oriya Bhagavad to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't want to hear it and said, no, no, it's Atibari. It is too great, too great. Uh, and Jagannath took it as a title, Jagannath Atibari, Jagannath too great. Uh, anyhow, and how that spread to Bengal, and that I discussed. Um, there is a story that... Uh, um, the Atibaris, Jagannath, and, and uh, they were also, uh, in their own way, uh, counted as Vaishnavas, as worshipping Krishna, and they stood up for Vaishnavism. So, initially, Maharaj Prataparuda was favorable towards them, and he gave, them, he gave Jagannath a particular a building not far from the uh, from the temple, but uh, later on, Jagannath started to display a philosophy which uh, became problematic with uh, Maharaj Prataparuda. And what was happening? Jagannath thus started to engage in Raslila pastimes, uh, and. Uh, and as he engaged in, in Raslila pastimes, uh, he engaged in these Raslila pastimes with the wives of other men. 
So there were many complaints to Maharaj Prataparuda, who uh, apparently uh, pulled him over and basically uh, was going on. And Jagannathas said, when I'm with the men, I'm one of them. And when I'm with the women, I'm one of them. Mm. And uh, Maharaj Prataparuda was not impressed with that answer and apparently uh, jailed him. Uh, then the story we find in Prabhupada Mukherjee's writings is that then in the jail, uh, Jagannath Das took the form of a woman and uh, then uh, the king uh, was so impressed that he sent one of his queens to become his disciple and that the queen gave that palace later. Um, this is not uh, the account we find in uh, Sundarananda Vijivi notes or uh, writings. He is pointing out that uh, when these inappropriate actions were going on, then Maharaj Prataparuda wanted to take the, the, the building back from the Atibaris. And, uh, but it is said then, there's a story that Jagannath does, then said, well, I don't need anything from you. And that Jagannath him, does himself, distance himself from the whole thing and said, I don't need any land from you. And that by mystic power, he pushed back the ocean, a distance of six waves, and that he took that land and resided there so that he would not take any land from the king. Now, anyway, uh, such stories are there. Um, there's a lot of uh, mystic stories around these Ati, Atibaris. Anyway, they, they are there. They're still, uh, the buildings did stay with the Ati, uh, with, his, with other Atibaris. They still have it today and they still a strong influence in Orissa and they still have uh, influenced uh, society at large. So in terms of at the moment, internationally, we may not see so much of that. In the, uh, but with time, as Westerners uh, become attracted by Lord Chaitanya's movement, they, they'll go to India uh, more and more, and they'll all connect. Right? So uh, nowadays we see uh, that there are so many foreigners connecting to so many uh, Vaishnav groups in India. Uh, there are Jati Kuzais, who are disciples, and Radhakun Babaji's who have their following. And there's like a whole range of following around Lord Chaitanya's movement, the Advaita, Pariwar, or the line coming from the family of Lord of Advaita Acharya. Yes, and, and who are saying, we're not properly representing Advaita Acharya, um, who say Advaita Acharya is the supreme, and Chaitanya was his student. And then we see also in the line of Advaita Pariwar, we see people and so on. Um, so, and all these things <clears throat> spill into the West. We, we see how there is, uh, there are, are accounts of 
left-handed Sahajaism, right? That means tantric rituals coming into Vaishnavism, where uh, with with sexual practices. So all these things we are hearing also, uh, yeah, coming back in in the international world. So we should uh, we. It is our business to very clearly establish the Gaudiya Siddhanta and we should uh, strongly uh, present Prabhupada's Orissa Bhagavatam, Oriya Bhagavatam all over the state of Orissa and make it the main Bhagavatam. Right? That would be uh, our mission in Orissa. So, like that, um, I have painted a bit more uh, about uh, context of Orissa in general, um, a background to the to the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and uh, then we can uh, um, and, and remember that the tribal presence I mentioned yesterday also in play. So in this way, we see that um, that in one sense. Um, in terms of the mission, uh, Vrindavan and, and Mayapur, Vrindavan and Navadvip are the main, the main dhams in terms of the teachings, but in terms of displaying all his ecstasies uh, that we find in Puri. And of course, it is especially the Chaitanya Charitamrita that brings us that Puri because in the other biographies, that wasn't there. Uh, they, they didn't have that information. It was Ch uh, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami who got it from uh, Sarup Damodar, then to Raghunathas, and then he got that information about the final pastimes. And in this way, uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita uh, really brings us Jagannath Puri and the proper understanding of Jagannath Puri uh, and where uh, where the Lord is is in the Jagannath temple is being worshipped as in the mood of, of Krishna in Dwarka uh, along with Baladev and Subhadra uh, and it was an interesting uh, note that uh, Subhadra was mentioned as the daughter of Rohini and in that sense the sister of Balaram and Balaram who is then also in the uh, appears in two wombs he's Sankarshan he appears in the womb of Rohini and then transferred by Yogamaya to the womb of uh, of uh, Devaki so in this way Balaram is then Krishna's brother and and, and Subhadra is Balaram's sister, so she's also Krishna's sister. So that's that's also a very interesting detail. Uh, I can definitely uh, recommend the book Sri Ksetra from Sundarananda Vijayavinod, which you can buy from uh, Amazon, or if you're good at finding PDFs on the internet, or EPUB, whatever ebooks, you can find it. That's where I found it, and I have it in my collection.
here. Uh, anyway, that's for the collectors. But this book is interesting. Sri Ksetra Vaikuntha on Earth. You can, uh, can check it out on Amazon. Um, all right. So that was it for today. Um, I'm going to uh, uh, take a lunch break and then chant a little bit more Hare Krishna and, and so on. And in this way, the day continues. I thank you very, very much. Hare Krishna.